Thanks for joining us. Well, my name's Christina, and I work for Kids World here at New Spring, and I'm just here to welcome you and to kind of tell you what to expect over the next hour. But before I do that, if it's your first time here, we're so glad that you're here, and we would love to hear from you. You can fill out a Talk to Us card you can find in the back of the seat in front of you. You can fill it out with whatever information you feel comfortable, and then you can put it in the offering bucket as it passes by, or you can take it to guest services. There's one in the front foyer, as well as a small one back by the coffee shop, and they have a special gift they'd like to give you with a little something sweet inside, just to say thanks for coming. 
Well, like I said, our service is about an hour long, so the band will continue to lead us in worship, and then we're going to hear a message from God's Word. We're in the second weekend of our series, If I Should Die, and today's message is called, What If? All right, I'm going to go ahead and hand back over to them. Thanks again for coming, guys. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me? When I call, is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me?
Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise and worship you today, Lord. And as the scripture says, how awesome it is to be called children of God, because that is exactly what we are. Lord, as the last song says, as we cry out as your children, Lord, you're always there in our time of need. Lord, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray that you just remind us today especially. Remind us that this isn't all there is to life, Lord. These are just empty vessels uh, that we will discard, Lord, and we will be with you for eternity when we leave this life. Thank you so much, Lord, for the words that you've given, Mark, Lord, as we talk about this topic. Thank you so much for New Spring Church, Lord God. Clear our hearts and our minds of anything that could be distracting us today, Lord, as we receive your word. This in your most beautiful name, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Thank you, Louise team. So good to see you here today. Thank you guys for bringing New Spring. Welcome to the fourth of five weekend services. So glad we've got the turning lane out there now. It should make it easier to get out of here. Yeah. So just heads up, if you're turning right, there are now two lanes. So uh, that'll hopefully that'll that'll expedite leaving the campus. Um, guys, we're in a series right now uh, called If I Should Die. Today I'm going to bring a talk called What If? And I can't wait to bring it. I'll be back in just a few moments. In the meantime, though, you're going to see some announcements coming up at New Spring. And you might want to look at those and see if you're interested in that. You'll also notice uh, that we've got a new series coming up. It starts on November 22nd, 23rd called Messages from a Christmas Carol. That'll take us all the way to Christmas Eve. I cannot wait to get started for the series. The series I've been thinking about it for over a year and um, uh, we'll start off with the weekend before Thanksgiving with a message called mankind is my business and it'll close in all of our services on Christmas Eve as we explore the question that Dickens never really got to and that is how does a person truly change so I'm so pumped about that series but again I'll be back in just a few moments to bring the talk from if I should die uh, I'm gonna ask our ushers to come forward and receive the offering and I'll see you in just a moment In just a moment, we'll hear a message from God's Word, so please put your cell phones on silent. Also, if you have a child in the room that begins to make noise, please step out into the foyer so others can concentrate on the message without any distractions. If your elementary or middle school student has questions about how to have a relationship with Jesus, be sure to mark your calendar for November 12th. We have a session designed just for your child to get their questions answered. Jumpstart is our session for elementary students, and Fresh Start is for middle schoolers. You can find out more and sign up your child at newspring.org start. Life at Newspring is an hour-long get-together for anyone who's new to Newspring or might just have questions. Questions like, how do I volunteer? Or, how can I become a member? Join us November 8th for a box dinner or November 9th for a brunch session. The presentations will be identical, so you can choose the one that best fits your schedule. Registration is required, so sign up at newspring.org slash life at newspring. You can be part of something big when you give to Newspring, and it's never been easier. If you want to give by using your smartphone, just use your browser to visit newspring.org slash mobile give. You can also give using your mobile device by downloading the Secure Give app. 
Just type Secure Give in the search bar of your app store and download it for free. You can always give when you're on campus by using a credit or debit card at one of our kiosks located around the building. If you'd like to give from home, visit newspring.org give where you can set up a one-time gift or an automatic recurring donation. so many questions. Is there a heaven? Do I deserve to go there? Would I like it? Is it real? If I make it, will I just instantly appear there? I wish that somebody would just tell me these things now. Well, you know, through the years I've had quirky titles for series, uh, and you probably have had a hard time from time to time thinking, how did Mark come up with that? I'm not sure myself sometimes. But if you were here for a series like Living on Mars or The Thing, uh, that might be the case, but most of you quickly figured out where I got the title for this series. Because chances are, if you grew up, if you're over 35 years of age, and even for those younger than that, you grew up praying a prayer when you were a child. And it's true of most Christian faith traditions. If you grew up Baptist or Pentecostal or Catholic or Methodist, still, you probably prayed the same prayer. And it goes something like this. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Many of us grew up praying that prayer. And when we pray that prayer, what we're praying, what we're communicating is, is the very issue about death that makes it so scary. And that is that we don't know when death is coming. Death is uncertain. Um, many of us have been following the story of Brittany Maynard, the young lady who has the brain tumor, and she lives in Oregon, and she is planning the day of her death. And, and that raises some questions that maybe we should set aside for another day. Most of all, we're just sympathetic with her and her family that that's a very challenging place to be in life. And she was planning yesterday, but she's feeling a little better, so she decided to delay it. But it has raised the question, what if you could know for sure when you were going to die? I feel like that's an important question for us to discuss because New Spring tends to be a younger church. I can remember when our median age was older than it is, and I have more funerals to, to preach. But here at New Spring, I don't preach as many funerals today. The challenge, though, is that when I do preach a funeral, it may likely be the funeral of a young person. And just so that you will know, even though I'm 38 years in the ministry and 30 years here at New Spring, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. I had two services almost back-to-back -back this year. A couple of young men, best friends, um, were in an automobile accident. They, they did absolutely nothing wrong. They were just going through an intersection like you and I do every day. And another driver blew through the intersection and, and killed them. And, and I still have a hard time. I know for the families, they're, they're grieving it at a much deeper level than I am. I talked to his mom just in a previous service. But I remember standing by both those caskets and looking into the faces of those two young men and thought, surely not. They're neither, neither out of their 20s. And it wasn't long after that till another couple, a very precious couple, mom and dad, doing absolutely nothing wrong, just riding their motorcycles. So the trailer came loose and both were killed. And we had their services here. And, and I remember thinking to myself, that's so young. And the uncertainty of life, the fact that you could just go through an intersection and, and not have the preparation, it, it raises the question, what would we do if we could know for sure when we were going to die? 
Let, let's, make this, let's make this a little simpler. What if you knew you had seven days to live? What if somehow God could tell you that you would know that you have seven days, seven days from right now, you're going to enter the afterlife. Now, just right now, I'm going to ask for a little favor here. This is going to sound like a morbid sermon, but trust me, it's not going to be when it's over. So if you'll just work with me for a few moments, we'll all be able to breathe a sigh of relief in just a little bit. But what if you could know you had seven days to live? Let me ask you the question, the seminal question that will help us get started with this talk. Would you have a bucket list or a checklist? I have people ask me all the time, what's on your bucket list? What's on my bucket list? Do you want to know what's on my bucket list? Absolutely nothing. Let me explain to you why I don't have a bucket list. And by the way, I'm not picking on Andale. It's just I'm trying to think about any community here in Kansas, and it just is one of the first that shows up alphabetically. Suppose you lived in Andale, and you couldn't leave the city limits, and you were getting ready to take a trip to Maui, where you're able to do anything with unlimited budget. You could just go to Maui and enjoy it. Let me ask you a question. Would you be worried about all the stuff you had to get done in Andale before you could get loose to go to Maui? Or would you be preparing to go to a beautiful place? Well, that's sort of like the distinction between this life and heaven. So I don't have a whole lot of stuff in this flawed, broken, crazy world that I need to get done before I get to go to the place that God designed me to live forever. So I don't have a bucket list. But I do have a checklist. And I think you and I need to think about that checklist for just a moment and ask the question, what would you do if you could know that seven days from now you were going to go into eternity? What's going to be helpful for us is there's a story in the Bible of a Jewish king who, at least for a little while, thought that he was coming to the end of his life, and he thought he knew for sure. Let me introduce him to you. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His name is Hezekiah. Hezekiah is a fairly young man when he becomes king, and he's been through a lot of things. But all of a sudden, he gets sick. And when he gets sick, he gets very sick. And like you and me, when we have an illness, we think, am I going to get better, or is this going to get worse? And Hezekiah continues to get worse, and his pastor Isaiah, yes, he is the same Isaiah. If you, have, if you have that big book in the Old Testament with 66 chapters, it's the same Isaiah. Isaiah is his personal pastor, and Isaiah has come to the palace to give Hezekiah a message from God about his illness. We're going to pick it up right there. In 2 Kings 20, the Bible says in verse 1, about that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order. Some of you will have a translation that says put your house in order. Set your affairs in order. For you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Well, right out of the box, the first line that jumps off the page to me from this statement is, this is what the Lord says. You know, doctors sometimes will give people a range of time that they can expect if they're ill. We have, a lot of, we have a lot of doctors here at New Spring and a lot of specialists. And from my conversations with them, they stand first in line to tell you, we really don't know for sure. The human body is an unpredictable thing. And, and God is ultimately in control. We can give people the best diagnosis, best prognosis. We can give people the best, best guess we can give them for the scenario. But we still don't know. So having God say you're going to die is a little bit different than having a doctor say you're going to die. I remember the story of my uncle Johnny, really fine man. In 1984, he had brain cancer and he was dying. And so we all went to South Texas to celebrate Thanksgiving together. Yes, Thanksgiving was why we were there, but we all knew we were there to say goodbye to Johnny. And when I saw him, I thought he's not going to last very long because he was very, very ill with the cancer. And so yes, we thought we were saying goodbye to him. 
But a few weeks later, Johnny went back to have some scans, and they just were, the doctors were amazed. They said, we can't find any sign of cancer. We don't know why. There's just no sign of cancer. And he just got better, and next thing you know, he lived 15 more years and had the most 15, productive 15 years of his life. So even as good as the doctors are, they, they would be the first to say, we don't know for sure. But this time there was no questioning. The message came from God through Isaiah. God said to Hezekiah, yeah, this time you're not going to get better. You're going to die. And that's hard because he was only 39 years old. Now, a lot of you new springers are in your teens or early 20s. 39 still sounds ancient. 39 is a kid to me. I'm always telling Ralph, I talked to this boy at New Spring the other day, and I'm thinking, he's 40 years old. But that still looks young to me, you know. So he, he's, he's very, fairly young. Now, let me just tell you what really surprises me about this. Hezekiah was a very good king. And by good, I mean good in the sight of God. You know, we sort of expect bad things to happen to bad people and good things to happen to good people. And one of the things that challenges us is every once in a while, somebody who's a very fine person gets a very bad diagnosis. And I'm surprised because Hezekiah was a good, if, if Hezekiah had been his dad, I wouldn't be surprised that God came along and said, you're going to die. Because he was a very bad king. He, he brought in the worship of the Canaanitish gods. And one of the, I mean, it was a very detestable worship for him because it involved all kinds of sexual debauchery. And I'm sorry to be so blunt about this, but one of the aspects of the worship of the Canaanite gods, there was a god, Molech, which was really a big oven. It was, um, it was an oven set up that had the, the body of, a, a, of an idol form, but the belly was really a furnace. And the Canaanites would sacrifice their children alive by putting them in this furnace, this oven. Hezekiah's dad sacrificed Hezekiah's brother by burning him alive. Hey, if God comes to his dad and says you're going to die, I get it. But Hezekiah. Let's read for a few moments about the kind of king Hezekiah was. And, Hez and this is in 2 Kings 18, verse 2. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He removed the pagan shrine, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. Verse 5. Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed the commands of the Lord that the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Now, I'm, I'm puzzled. Why would God come to this young king who, according to God's statement, was the best king that there had been before him or after him? And why would God say, Hezekiah, you need to put things in order because you're going to die? Well, I go back to the question that we said for a few moments. Do you have a bucket list or a checklist? Because the main reason Isaiah came to talk to Hezekiah was not that he was going to die. Did you catch it a few moments ago? He said, Hezekiah, you're not ready to die. You're going to die, but you're not ready to die. You need to set things right. There are things in your life that need to be set right before you leave. And honestly, I'm just keeping it very real. If God came to me and said, Mark, you had seven days to live, I think he would say the same thing to me. I think he would say, Mark, you're not really ready to leave. There's stuff you need to get right. I mean, don't worry about your bucket list. You don't need to see the you know, see Europe before you die. Mark, there's some stuff that you need to deal with before you get ready to leave. 
Well, for a few moments, let's perform an exercise. Let's ask ourselves, what would we do? How would we live out the next seven days of our life if that would be our last time on earth? Now, you're going to think about that, and I'm going to think about that. And what I'm going to do during this message is I'm going to give you some suggestions. And maybe you would say yes or no to these suggestions. I think you'll have your own ideas. But let me throw a few thoughts at you. I am convinced if we knew we had seven days to live, one thing we would do is we would make sure that at least for those seven days, we lived out our purpose. We would live our purpose. Here at New Spring, we have a ministry called Starting Point. Starting Point is so cool, I would love to go through it myself. And I don't mean lead it, I mean I'd just love to go through it. Starting Point is an opportunity to discuss the most important questions in regard to faith and life, and it's in a living room environment, it's in a non-threatening situation. I would just love that kind of thing. The only problem with starting point is they're all going on during the five services and I'm engaged during those hours. But in starting point, my, my wife leads Next Step Ministries and starting point is a component in that. Marielis is always talking to me about the, one of the first sessions of starting point. The, the people in that, and several of you have been through it because I know we've had like 3,000 people go through starting point. In, in the first session, the question is, if you could ask God any question and he would answer your question, what is the question you would ask him? And the first time Marielis told me that, I, I would have thought the question that people would ask God is why do bad things happen to good people? But no. Overwhelmingly, number one, and it's so far ahead of number two that number two is not even within sight. In starting point, New Springers has said the number one question I would ask God if I could ask him any question and he would answer me, I would want to know, what is my purpose? Why am I here? That's a very wise question. Guys, I'm going to stretch you a little bit. At least I hope to stretch you. Because I think there's something even within the church, even within Christian people, that we struggle with. I think we struggle to distinguish between opportunities and purpose. I think we get them out of order. See, here's what I hear when I talk to people sometimes and I listen to them. What I hear is people say, I wish I could discover God's purpose for my life because out of that, I think I would have all these wonderful opportunities. If I could discover my purpose, then I would make more money. If I could discover my purpose, I would have more sense of fulfillment. If I could discover my purpose, then I think I would get to do more things. In other words, if I had my purpose, I would have opportunities. I just don't think God works that way. What you and I need to understand is that God gives us opportunities so that we can live out our purpose. This is why some of us are so backward in the way we handle our money, handle our time, handle entertainment. We have this sense that God put us here for opportunities. Our purpose exists for our opportunities when in reality, our opportunities exist for our purpose. If you were here for the message on Esther, we got that real clear. Esther won a beauty contest and got to be queen. The only problem was all her people were about to be killed. Her uncle Mordecai said, you need to leverage this, you need to leverage this opportunity of being queen to go talk to the king to save your people. And Esther said, I can't do that because if I did that, I would lose my opportunity of being queen. And Mordecai basically said to her, honey, you were not given the opportunity to be queen so that or you were not given the purpose of being queen so that you can live out opportunities. He said you were given the opportunity of being queen so that you could live out the purpose of saving your people. And I'm just saying to you, I think if we had seven days to live, we would make sure that those seven days we lived out our purpose. The second thing I think we would do, and, and you guys saw this one coming, you wouldn't even have to be a faith person of faith to see this one coming. If we had seven days to live, I think we'd, we'd repair some relationships, wouldn't we? 
maybe this is the, not the best time to bring this up. But let, me, let me tell you why I think we struggle with this thing of, of if we had seven days to live and how we would reorient our lives. I think one of the things that screws up our lives is we have the presumption of time. The presumption of time tells me I can sort of just, you know, slip through life comfortably because somewhere down along the line, I'll fix what needs to be fixed. If we knew we were going to die, we would lose that presumption of time, and, and then it would clean up a lot of the junk in our lives that we just allow because we have the presumption of time. See, many of us have relationships that need to be worked on. But we think, well, somewhere, someday, sometime along the line, they'll feel differently about it, I'll feel differently about it, and I don't know when it'll happen, but we'll, we'll, we'll fix it. Not if you had seven days to live. You'd go fix it now. For instance, there's some of us here who need to forgive some people in our lives. They've hurt us. And we keep them in a little prison. And it's like, and this is the one I hear most of all, and, and it, it, it just would love to help us with this. People will tell me, well, Mark, I cannot forgive him because he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I can't forgive her because she doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Could we have an aha moment? Nobody deserves to be forgiven. By definition, nobody deserves to be forgiven. If there's somebody in your life and they deserve to be forgiven, you're not forgiving them. You're just catching up. They have built up some kind of indulgence in your life, and you're just finally paying off. <coughs> Nobody deserves to be forgiven. That's why many of us have a hard time receiving grace from God, because we're waiting for that moment when we deserve to be forgiven. By definition, nobody deserves to be forgiven. Forgiveness is always a gift. And my guess is, I can't speak about you, but if in seven days I was going to face God desperately needing mercy like I do, I have a hunch I'd forgive anybody who's offended me. Or we can flip that. If we had seven days to live, there are th I think there's some people we would ask for forgiveness. You know, many of us know that we've hurt someone, but we just are a little bit too proud to go back and say, you know, I really did wrong, and I, I hurt you, and I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? But I'm guessing if we had seven days to live, we would find a way to say that. Probably the rest of you don't have any problem with this, but I do. You know, four years ago, I thought I was dying, so I worked through this a little bit, and here's one of the things that I dealt with. There are many times in my life in relationships, I'll make what we used to say a mountain out of a molehill. I'll let something that really isn't very important become very important. Anybody else do that? I don't think y'all do, but I do that. I, I can let something real small look real big, and I'm guessing that if I had seven days to live, those little things would shrink back to the molehills where they really are. And I would say, you know what? That's not a real big problem. That shouldn't separate us. One more. When, when it comes to relationships. If we had seven days to live, I'm guessing that we would go tell some people that they've made a difference in our lives. You know, sometimes our pride keeps us from doing that too. I remember when I was a young pastor, I was 20 years old, my first job, I was associate pastor of a, of a country church south of Fort Worth. And my boss was a great man. He was a Cajun. He had this delightful Cajun accent. And he's just a very wise guy, kind of a street smart kind of guy. But I remember him taking me, we were, we were traveling in his car one day, and we were going to make a call or something. And, and, and he just suddenly turned to me, and Jack said, Mark, um, and you got to realize he was my dad's age, and, and I was 20. He said, Mark, he said, I, I really think you're going to go far. He said, I think you have a real gift. He said, I think God is going to use you in a great way. 
But with that wonderful Cajun accent, he turned and looked at me and pointed his finger and he said, but don't forget the people who helped you on the way up. Don't forget the people who helped you. He passed away just a few months ago in his 90s. But I was thankful I had a chance several times, many times, in fact, to tell Jack what a difference he made in my life. And I'm guessing if we had seven days to live, we would find some people. We would search some people out who made a real difference. And, and here's the deal. For some of us, we're married to the person that we need to go say, you know, you've made a huge difference in my life. Some of us would talk to our kids. You know, I've had a chance to talk to my kids and, and tell them, you know, you're the kid I wish I'd been. Some of us, you know, you're, some of us here, you're still in your teens, and it's like, I would have a real hard time telling my mom and dad right now that they really made a difference in my life, but if you had seven days to live, you'd do it. Here's the thing. Many people in our lives, we would revolutionize their lives if we just told them what they meant to us. Number three, and you probably knew this one was coming, if we had seven days to live, we would focus on God very differently. God would suddenly become very important to us. He wouldn't just be the asterisk that we think about for an hour or so on the weekend. God would become very important. Prayer would be something that wouldn't be a spiritual exercise anymore. We would be desperately talking to God. When we opened our Bible, we wouldn't be just doing our daily Bible reading. We'd be mining to get a word from God. And since it's seven days from now, you're going to have another worship service. I'm guessing we would probably worship even a little differently than we worship today. It wouldn't just be singing along with the singers. I think we would really worship God. Number four, if we had seven days to live, I'm guessing that we would, we would talk to some people that we love about their relationship to God. Strange, isn't it? We can talk to people about all kinds of things that are fairly minor. I do it too. Talk about sports, talk about politics, talk about, talk about the weather. Isn't it strange how we can talk to people about all kinds of things, and yet the most important thing is where are you going to be five seconds after you leave this life? That's the most important issue of all. How many of us have people in our lives that we love very much that we've, we just have never had that right time to have that conversation? But I'm guessing if we had seven days to live, we would create that opportunity. I want to take you to a story in the Bible. This is really a dark story, but the principle bears out. Jesus is telling a story about a guy who dies and goes to hell. And, uh, and I just want to read this to you because I want you, here's the thing I want you to see about. I want you to see what he was thinking about before eternity and after eternity. Work with me. Luke 16, verse 19. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table. Now, right now, we see four things this guy was thinking about while he was on the earth. He was thinking about his money. He was thinking about his clothes. He was thinking about living in luxury and his food. Gosh, he sounds American, doesn't he? I mean, it's like scrolling through cable TV channels. I mean, he's thinking about, you know, his money. I want to live a cushy, comfortable lifestyle. I want to get to do all kinds of cool things. I want to dress good, look real nice, and I want, to, I want to eat the best food. So that's what he was thinking about before he died. But he wakes up in hell. Look at what Jesus said. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime... You had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted, and you're in anguish. Then the rich man said, 
Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they would have what we would call the Bible. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Hey, again, I know that's a dark story there. But look at what the guy was thinking about before eternity and after. Before, it's his food, it's his money, it's his luxury, it, you know, it, it's his clothes. And after, he's thinking about the fact, I got five brothers. I don't want them to come to this place. So I think if we had seven days to live, there's some people we would talk to and lovingly at least share our faith with them and ask them if, if they're where they want to be, where they need to be. Number five. I don't have anything for number five. Because I'm guessing if you're, if you're a Christ follower, or even if you're just open to this and you're a spiritual person, I'm guessing if you're thinking about this, something has popped up in your mind right now that you're saying, that needs to change. Whatever that is, let that be number five. Number six. We would know for sure. I mean, we would just make sure that we knew for sure we're going to heaven. We'd double check one more time. We would just make sure that we've settled that with God. We would want to make sure we're going to have. In my 30th year here, there are so many stories. I've been beside the beds of people many times who went into eternity. And there's so many wonderful stories. I could keep you here all day long. Some of them are very exciting as people talked about what they were experiencing as they left this life. Maybe we'll do that sometime. But one story right now stands out to me above all the rest because of what we're talking about. Several years ago, I met a really fine man. He's about, about my age, a little older. And uh, I know he'd watch us on TV. I don't know if he'd attended New Spring yet. He, he, he did later, but um, he, had, he had beaten cancer. And when I met him, he had some symptoms coming back that were scary. And I still remember the day he was in the hospital being checked out. I still remember the day I got the phone call that uh, he had gotten the word. It had just happened. I mean, it was just a matter of minutes. He had just had the doctors come into his room to tell him that the cancer had come back, and it was very prolific, and it was going to take his life. So I dropped what I was doing, raced up to the hospital. When I got there, I knew his wife was there, his daughter was there, and I was there talking to him. But what I remember most was after a few moments, the man's elderly parents came in. And his dad, I still remember, was very frail and in a wheelchair. And they wheeled him into the room and up beside the bed of my friend. And he reached out and he took his son's hand. As long as I live, I'll never forget what he said. Because I expected him to say something like, son, I'm so sorry about this. Or son, I can't believe this has happened. But this elderly gentleman reached out and took his son's hand in his. And he said, son, is it well with your soul? I will never forget that as long as I live. First words out of his mouth. Son, is it well with your soul? Steve said, dad, it may not be well with my body, but it's well with my soul. Guys, I want to ask you a straight-up, face-to-face question. Is it well with your soul?
Not is it well with your body, because we freak out about that most of the time. But hey, you're only going to live in this tent for a few years. You're going to live somewhere for eternity. See, the real you is the part of you that's alert, that's cognitive, that loves, that feels. It's that part of you that I can't see. I can say I see you, but I don't see you. I just see the tent you live in. The real part of you. See, here's the thing. You're not a body that has a soul and spirit. You're a soul and, body that has, a soul and spirit that has a body. And that part of you that's alert, that part of you is never going to die. We'll talk about this again and again in this series. And that's why this dad reached out and grabbed his son's hand and said, Son, is it, is it well with your soul? Cancer may claim your body, but it can't take your soul if, you're well, if it's well with your soul. Listen, I, I guess I care about where you went to college. I care about what you do for a living, where you live and what you drive. It's just a means to an end. But I will tell you, all that pales in insignificance compared to one question. Is it well with your soul? Because five seconds after I die, it won't matter where I went to college. It won't even matter what I did for a living. Sure won't matter what I drove, where I live. All that will matter is, if, is it well with my soul? Is it well with yours? You know what I discover most people answer back to me? They answer back with some sort of suppositional thing. Well, I hope so, or I think I'm okay. I've always felt like I'm a pretty good person. Isn't it strange? Most of us know more, I don't mean in this room, but most people know more about how their car operates than they do about where they're going to be five seconds after they die. That's the most bizarre thing in the world when you think about it. Is it well with your soul? If we had seven days to live, we would know. Now somebody's going to say, Mark, this still sounds like a pretty morbid sermon to me. You told me it was going to be happy, but frankly, it still feels pretty morbid. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story about Hezekiah. When Isaiah told him he was going to die, Hezekiah turned over to the wall. He's in bed. He can't get out of bed. He's sick. He turns over with his face to the wall, and he starts praying. And he said, God, you remember, I've really tried. That's a good prayer to pray if you have. <laughs> Hezekiah said, you know, Lord, I've really tried to do the right thing. And God stopped Isaiah. Poor Isaiah, his pastor didn't even get out of the palace. God stepped, stopped Isaiah and said, Isaiah, do a U-turn. Go back and tell Hezekiah, and I've loved this since I was a little boy. Go back and tell Hezekiah three things. Go back, and this is powerful in case you're going through hard times. Just listen to God speak. God said, I have heard his prayer. I have seen his tears, and I will add 15 years to his life. Bonus round. What was it all about? Well, it was about the fact that Hezekiah wasn't ready to die. But here's something bigger than that. You know, think with me for a few moments. I, I ask you to think about what you would do if you knew you had seven days to live. Do you realize why we would do those things? We would do those things because they're truly important. Well, if you would do them because you were going to die, why not do them because you're going to live? I mean, I pray you have 50, 60, 70 years left to live, maybe more. In many of your cases. If those are the things you would do because you're going to die, why not do them because you're going to live? Why not, why not settle the problems that you have with relationships? Why not start living out your purpose? Why not start having a relationship with God like, 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 like you're about to face him? I mean, why, why, why not fix whatever's broken in your life that number five, whatever that was, that came up to your mind? Why not be sure that you're going to heaven? Why not share your faith with those you love? Not because you're going to die, but because you're going to live and you want to live all out. I just have this feeling that many of us are just burning up time, just burning up life, just wasting life, like a hamster on a treadmill. God was saying to Hezekiah, set your house in order because you're going to live. You're going to live, and this is how you should live.
Let's pray together. Father, this has been a, an interesting time for us as we've analyzed our lives. And even in my own life, Lord, I'm really thinking about a lot of these things. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just sort of tailor make this message for where we are. And bring to us thoughts, not just today, but in the coming days. May this not be a sermon that we just interact with for a few minutes, but may this be a, a way of thinking that changes our lives. And now, Lord, if there's someone here today who needs to settle the most important question of all, may it happen in the next few seconds. In Jesus' name, amen. Still pray with me. You could be here today and say, Mark, I really want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. Well, guys, there's one word that you need to know, and that's the word gift. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's receive a gift. That's why it always freaks me out when I ask people if they know they're going to heaven, and they say, well, I think I'm a pretty good person, because you know that's going to lead absolutely nowhere. The only way to go to heaven is to receive a gift. You and I are just too flawed, too broken, too messed up. And you and I know it. Even when we try to do the right thing, we keep failing. So God did something wonderful. He sent his son into the world to live the life that you and I can't live. And then he took that perfect life and he laid it down on a cross. And God punished him like he had done everything wrong that you and I have ever done. So that when Jesus got off, was taken off the cross that day, God could apply his perfect life to you and put your sins on him. It's the greatest trade that was ever made. And three days later, Jesus walked out of the grave under his own power, stamping for sure the fact that the deal had been done. And all God asked from you is for you to tell God that you know you need him, that you put your confidence in Jesus, that he died for you. He took your place. He died for you. And you say, I trust him as my Lord and Savior. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, the thief on the cross just said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And after living a totally blown up life, here's a guy who went to heaven. You say, Mark, it can't be that simple. It better be. I mean, religion says jump through these hoops. I mean, if you boil them all down to soup, the religions say jump through these hoops and God will accept you. The Bible says God loves you unconditionally and he takes you just as you are, but he won't leave you like he found you. And you say, Mark, I want to be sure. Well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to pray a prayer. These aren't magic words. The important thing is that you own this meaning and you talk to God. But I'll pray this prayer slowly because if you want to think about it and own it and say it to God, he will hear you on the other end. You ready? Let's do it. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm broken past repair. And I can't fix myself. But I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. I want to be right with you. So I, I do what you ask. I believe Jesus died for my sins. And I believe that he rose from the grave. And today I place my confidence in him. Would you forgive me and make me your child? In Jesus' name. Guys, if you just prayed that prayer, you said, Mark, I still have a lot of questions. Well, I, I still have some too. But and hang with me just a moment because I, I know there's this, there's this feeling I need to make a race for the parking lot before the traffic jam. I've been here a lot of years. 
if you just prayed to receive Christ, I have a gift I want to give you. It's a DVD. And guys, I wrote this book on the darkest day of my life. I didn't even know I was writing a booklet. I just wrote what I knew for sure, how to have a relationship with God. I just wrote it for myself. I did not know it was going to be the first book that thousands of people would read the day right after they accepted Christ. I just wanted to write what I knew for sure. So this, this booklet's in here and also a coupon for a new Bible. All you got to do is bring your talk to us card like this. Bring it back to guest service. The big one out in the lobby, the little one back by the coffee shop. Just say, I pray with Mark. Promise you, nobody will hassle you or stalk you. We just want to give you this. Now, guys, next weekend, just the word about the talk. Next week's talk is called simply, If Not. Because the question is, is it possible to leave this world without dying? The extraordinary, exciting answer to that question is yes. And so I cannot wait to bring the talk to you next weekend. It's simply called, If Not. I'll see you then. God bless.